0: Log Talk Radio. <phone rings>
1: And it is Listen, Give. And we are so excited today. We actually have Mr. Andrew Morrison of Small Business Camp on. We're so excited to have him. And before we bring him on, we are actually going to go into just a few headlines today. And those headlines are, one, we're talking about actually the ink in school papers. No longer exists. Isn't that something? DeWitt Clinton, one of the last few high schools in New York City, has been talking about their, first, you know, their newspaper they've had for a long time. And it seems that what they call now the Clinton News used to be the source of everything that mattered to its readers in the Northwest Bronx. They published about 10,000 copies every other week, you know, in the 1930s, and even circulated. Uh, overseas among Bronx residents fighting in World War II. But like newspapers everywhere, it struggled, it struggled to adopt its print cost sword. Facebook and, and Twitter become the media of choice among younger generations. You know, that that makes me a little bit sad because these are the kinds of things that we are having young students, young people share about what's going on around the world, and here it is. You know, it seems like, again, the Internet is taking – just like flying away. Well, before I go any further in, we've got to bring on our co-host, of course, Mr. Jay Logan, and Jay is going to go into something else about mentorship with us. Jay, how are you? Hi, I'm doing
0: great. Um, I'm out here in sunny California. It's nice and nice weather out here. Don't mean to rub it in, but I know you guys are having better weather also.
1: Well, yes. For for a change, Jay, I actually can say that we're matching San Francisco out there because San Francisco has some of the greatest weather. Now we have our guests holding um, online, so I'm really excited about our guest today, Jay. This is like a real live question and answer thing with um, Mr. Andrew. Morrison of Small Business Camp, so I'm really excited to get him on, you know. But before we go on to that, Jay, you know, you had a a very interesting article. I just shared with everyone, you know, how urban news is leaving our schools. You know, Facebook and Twitter seem to be coming in and, you know, taking the place of, you know, these high school students who really are benefiting by sharing news with us. And if we remove that from the high school curriculum, Jay, we will no longer have this available to our students, to make them think with their minds and not, you know, being motivated to get into, you know, I'll find my news out online. I'll do everything online. It's stopping them from really getting out there and connecting with their communities at large, finding out more information around the world, you know. So I know you have a lot to say about that, and I know Andrew's going to jump in with us on that as well. Um, Can you share with us about the mentor thing as well, Jay, about that article that you had?
0: Yes. Uh Yes. very interesting uh, article. It's, uh, it's called How to Make Your Mentor Matter. And, you know, in, in the, by reading the article, I really see that a lot of people that are uh, into mentoring our mentorship programs, they want the people that they're mentoring to also mentor them back in a kind of a way. That I don't mean that they're going to be able to tell them or share with them or direct them in the right way, but they don't want to mentor somebody who doesn't want to. So, in other words, if I ask you, Gail, I say, Gail, could could you please mentor me? Can I could you can I make you a mentor? Well Gail would say back to me, Yeah, um basically what are you gonna bring to the table, Jay? Um, I'll mentor you but I you know, I, I feel that I can learn from you as well. And a lot of the mentors have said they don't mind mentoring some of the people but they would like to have something back in return because everybody has a different kind of perspective of the world and everybody can learn from everybody. One guy said that um sometimes mentors don't have to. You don't. They don't have to know that they're mentoring you because you can learn from everybody. So people could be mentoring you. You can go to like some of the trade shows or some of the uh, conventions, and you can find mentors right there on the spot. People sharing information and and teaching you things that you didn't know. So you can get mentored just by going places and, and, and ending up at different trade shows and and different conventions. So that's basically um, uh, one of the things that they talked about, Gail. The other thing they said is. When you pick a mentor, a mentor is different than a role model. A role model is someone you don't know. You know, you look up to them. um, That's a role model. A mentor is supposed to care about you also and supposed to like what you're doing and you should know them. So it's a difference between a role model and a mentor. So a mentor has to care about the person that they're mentoring and and put some love in there and some caring uh, vibes in there. So it's a great article, and I urge all our listeners to, Check it out on our website. You know, go to our website, and you'll find the link there, uh, Gail. And I just think it's a great
1: article. Well, you know what? Um, I think it is, too. And I would like to bring on Mr. Andrew Morrison to discuss with us, Jay. You know, we're going to have an open conversation. Usually we have scripted questions. Today we're going to have, you know, an open format with Andrew because he's such a special guest we're going to have. So without further ado, I'm going to bring on Mr. Andrew Morrison. Andrew, how are you today?
2: Great. Uh, thank you so much for having me on your program.
1: We are actually very happy to have you here. You know, Andrew, if you would give us the esteemed pleasure of introducing you to our audience. Um, Mr. Andrew Morrison has is the owner and founder of the Small Business Camp, and he also has a teen entrepreneurship camp. Andrew has been a friend for over almost 20 years, a little over, and also is one of the driving forces behind entrepreneurs today. He is the person that I would have to say, Andrew, in in my words, I feel that you put people on the map. You know, whether it's executives or entrepreneurs or small business owners, you really help them to understand the reality of the situation of starting a business, what it takes to stay in business, and understanding not only the great uh, places of growth, but also the ongoing challenges. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. So, if, Andrew, if we could get right in, I'd like you to meet Jay Logan. Jay, this is Andrew Morrison of Small Business Camp.
0: Welcome, Andrew.
2: Hi, i uh, Jay. Uh, thanks again. It's very interesting because you and know, I have very similar takes to, to mentoring, where I tell people that I like to move from mentoring to actually co-creating, that there should be something I should be supporting you with in development as opposed to making mentoring a one-way street. So uh, congrats on the great article that you wrote.
1: Oh no no, um, Andrew. We want to make sure we clarify that we uh, speak about we have it called listen and give sound Bites, and we pull our we pull those from different articles, whether it's New York Times and so forth, and we discuss them online to get oh, okay. feedback. Yeah, so we want to make sure people don't think that we wrote that, but it okay. is our, that is our take on mentoring.
2: Well, uh, well, guess what? The next step for you is to take that article and use it as a basis for your own article. Because uh, no one has the ownership uh, of ideas, and um, all my best ideas actually come from my clients, and so I think uh, that approach to mentoring is something that um, I think you could have even a separate call about.
1: Oh yeah, wow. uh, we'd love. Well, you, would you come back and have that conversation with us on the show at another time?
2: Sure. As a matter of fact, I have a colleague of mine He specializes uh, in helping people develop mentoring uh, relationships. And I could probably um, suggest a couple of big companies that are also mentoring as a part of the corporate culture as well. So, yeah, no, I think That's it's a great topic right. and there are several experts that could definitely help.
1: Well, that sounds great. Well, you know, Andrew, one of the the reasons why we really, Jay and I wanted to have you on the show, you know, with the current state of the economy right now, okay, everyone is looking at different avenues in which to generate income, whether you're just coming out of college or you are married or single, you know, whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s. And it's becoming increasingly difficult to know what direction to go in. So you know we know that you have a 16 week boot camp, you know, for entrepreneurship. Can you share with the people before we get into your 16 week boot camp, what is entrepreneurship to, in your words and in your eyes and who should be going, who should be thinking about entrepreneurship?
0: Well,
2: first of all, I'm glad you mentioned the current state of the economy, you know, I like what Albert Einstein said, you know, Albert Einstein the up everything is actually relative um to your own perception uh, uh time is uh, is relative um you know based upon a gravitational pull uh, i'm going back to my um science days but uh you know Oprah can't pronounce the word recession um you know Tyler Perry can't pronounce the word so some people are doing extremely well um in this uh, it, it's it's a new economy and individuals who are doing extremely well are, are, are looking at the um, trees that are growing.
1: Andrew, for uh, some reason, we're we're losing you in and out, sir.
2: Okay, uh, how about this right now?
1: Yeah, you're just going in and out now. I think you're. I think that should be fine. Can you hear him, Jay? Yes, I hear him now.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Well, okay. Good. All right, great. So uh, what I was saying was that um, you know some of my clients are doing extremely well by shifting to a different industry, and you want to go to an industry that's growing uh, very rapidly. Um, I have clients who have been um, trying to you know put on theatrical plays. Uh, that's their background. That's their experience. That's been their business model. And I've helped them go from trying to put on their own plays to working in the school system to teach other young kids how to put on plays. And because of the growth in the whole education arena, they're doing a lot uh, better by shifting industry. So uh, I think everyone needs to kind of make a big shift. And, um, online commerce is growing. Technology is growing. You know, healthcare is growing. Um, construction is growing. you know, Wearable um, electronics. If you took a look at you know, any of these major publications, Inc. and the Fast Company, they will tell you the top ten trends for this year, and you'll never get broke by taking a look at those trends and seeing how you can begin to modify your business model to approach those trends.
1: Wow, that's, that's very interesting. Jay, um, Do you have? A, I know you had some questions for Andrew. Yes,
0: yeah, so I, I just want to know, how long have you been um, doing your mentoring entrepreneur program? Uh, how long have you been at it?
2: Well, you know, I've been an entrepreneur almost uh, 25 uh, years now. And I've always, you know, I've built several um, large companies. And even in the process of building larger companies, I always spend time to mentor other entrepreneurs. And when I was in my big growth mode, you know, doing millions in sales, you know, having uh, well over a dozen employees in several different um, cities, I didn't really have time to typically um, have a have a typical mentoring relationship. And the people now who have fairly large companies who remember coming to my office at 6 a.m. in the morning to meet, to have a conversation, but it's not for
1: Andrew, we really have you go. We have you going in and out. We're really losing you in and out.
2: Okay. Uh, yeah. We lost.
1: We lost you again. Yeah. Would you mind calling back in? We'll be right here waiting for you. All right. Sure. Thank you. So we don't want to miss this. No, we don't. We don't
0: you know, want to
1: miss this. This is very interesting. You know, what were you going to say, Jay?
0: No, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very impressed by the things that, that Andrew Morrison has done, and some of the strategies that he's used for entrepreneurs. And I know that that our audience is going to be very well impressed with what they can learn from this guy. Because guy seems to be very on top of things, Gail, And I'm so ha- happy to have him on our show today.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's a very, you know, a very, very interesting situation to know that someone, you know, has such a grasp on what entrepreneurship is. Because normally the people that are teaching it with all due respect, they're not doing too well. (laughs) Right,
0: and he has a thing on it that he was asking, he was showing people, and I hope he shares it with how to jumpstart your ideas, you know, how to jumpstart your ideas.
1: Exactly. That's what we need to go right into, Jay. I just can't wait until he calls back. You know, Jay, getting back to this this situation, you know, speaking, you know, there he is, great, and we're going to bring him on. Okay, uh, you know, Andrew, we have so much to ask you. So um, Jay had a question about how you got started in this, and we we stopped where you said that you were actually, you know, supporting other entrepreneurs in their endeavors. So could you continue with us from there? Uh,
2: yes, sure. And so I, I tell people that if you if you have a gift – when it comes to encouraging others it's something you've been doing uh from a very early age and many people don't realize that you can actually you know utilize your calling from wherever you are people think that you have to become an entrepreneur or from a nonprofit to exercise your calling but everyone is called to do something uh, wonderful Everyone's called to contribute to this world and so i'm called to encourage inspire to motivate others um If I was in jail, um, God forbid, I would still be encouraging others. So in high school, they called me Dear Abby. In college, they called me a pill. I said, why do you call me a pill? Because, Andrew, give us advice that's hard to swallow, but it's good for us. And so I've been inspiring and encouraging and motivating others for a long time, and I've realized that entrepreneurship is just really a a vehicle uh, by which I can really help people to really uh, shine.
1: Well, Jay, I know you had a question about that jump start, so we, we better get it in while we've got Andrew here.
0: Yeah, I was, I was, I was looking at your wonderful website, and I would like you to sh- share some of the jump-starting tips that you have for the, uh, the entrepreneurs that want to be entrepreneurs.
2: <laughs> sure. Um, the biggest tip I tell people comes by way of a story. It's called uh, "Walking Behind a Tiger." where they discover in the jungle, if there's a, a monkey that's being harassed and picked on by other monkeys, this one monkey will find a tiger to walk behind. And guess what happens? A tiger's influence and power now falls upon the monkey. The tiger is no longer present, but this monkey now is that proverbial king of the jungle. And so what you want to do, and I've just done this uh, instinctively throughout my career, is I always find a tiger to walk behind. I always find somebody that's much larger than me, uh, an organization, a non-profit, uh, a company, a media outlet who's experiencing a problem, who's experiencing a uh, pain. I know oftentimes people want to market their services, people want to be their own boss, but um, you want to um, be able to market to someone's pain and help them solve their pain. So the, the, the best step I tell people is to find somebody who can aggregate your end users. Find some of them and give you uh, an endorsement in a crowded marketplace uh, very quickly because by closing that one deal that will enable you to close many more deals
1: hmm. Hmm. well you know one one of the questions I have for you, Andrew, you know you talked about this tiger um, aspect and this tiger approach, which is is amazing um I know that um on one of your many talks you've talked about the fact that many people started out you know, being successful entrepreneurs and becoming very successful at it okay, without realizing what they were doing. And you also spoke about the entrepreneur um, usually has a 95, I believe, percent fail rate, whereas a small business only a 5% fail rate. Please correct me if I'm wrong, but this is something I remember in one of your talks. Could you share that with our audience?
2: Yeah, I was just really helping people to make a distinction between an entrepreneur and a a small business owner and encouraging people to actually become, you know, small business owners, that a typical small business owner actually uh, inherits a a system. I'll say an entrepreneur creates a system. It's it's, it's a very rare individual that knows how to create a new business model, uh, a new system from scratch. That's a... Gargantuan task, um, and that's why the failure rate is so high. You know, nearly 95% within five years. But people who buy into a system, who license a concept, who purchase a franchise, their failure rate is like opposite only 5%. So 95% of the people succeed, and it's the power of having a system that's been tested and has it's, it's been proven. So I, I even encourage my entrepreneurial clients to look to. Develop systems in their company and begin to make modifications uh, based upon what's working and what's not working And my favorite book that really um, drives home the topic is called the e-myth by Michael Gerber E stands for entrepreneurial uh, myth, the e-myth by Michael Gerber Where he talks about the importance of um, of working uh, on your business as opposed to always working in your business Hmm,
1: interesting. Uh, Jay, I know you had a question, my dear Jay. Did we lose him? Okay, I believe we lost him. Okay, you know, one of the questions I had the next question I had for you, um, Andrew, is, you know, people are in uh people who call themselves our entrepreneurs, you see them at the networking events, you see them at uh hold on, we're gonna bring Jay back on lots of technical difficulties today. Audiences, we're sorry. Um Jay, we have you back on. I'm in the process of answering Andrew's question. You know, Andrew, there's a lot of people who have a small business today. There's a lot, of, you know, as you said, there's a lot of people who are entrepreneurs. You know, and we see them at the networking events. We see them working their business, and yet we still hear them saying, we're surviving, we're surviving, we're surviving. Oh, we're not making any money, or they're barely making, or they're spending more money than they're making. What is missing, Andrew? What is missing that you see small business owners or entrepreneurs, as you have defined them here, really going for their businesses versus the ones who are really getting noticed and making it? What's what's missing, Beth?
2: Well, what's missing, I think, it goes back to our earlier conversation about the importance of mentors. I'll even expand that to having an advisory board because no one can figure all of this, quote-unquote, stuff out all by yourself. What's missing is that they're operating in a silo. Um, you know, they want to be a lone ranger, and even a lone ranger had had tanto. They're not getting um, feedback from people who want to see them succeed and are also qualified to give them feedback. I mean, people are going to their, um, you know, hairdresser to seek uh, legal advice. So I would really encourage uh, entrepreneurs to begin to form an ad hoc advisory board, these individuals don't even need to know each other. you don't have to actually have formal formal meetings but uh, the, you know the, the reason why uh, you're stuck is because there's something you don't know. Um, Sunday morning I learned the truth will set you free. And so if you're in bondage, it's really because you don't really know the truth. and the truth behind your success, the truth behind your profitability, the truth behind your business model doesn't really exist inside of your head. I tell people to to be a good marketer, you have to be out of your mind. You can't be in your mind to be a good marketer. You have to get out of your mind and into the mind of your best prospects. And the best way to do that is really to begin to form an advisory board of people who have traveled that road and can really support you in this process.
1: Wow. Um, Did you have a question, Jay, for him?
0: Yes, Yes, I I just want to know, for those out there, um, Andrew, that have a fear of starting their own business, what can you say to – kind of make them feel more settled about being an entrepreneur and jumping in and getting their feet
2: wet? Well, you know, I I have a different take on fear. If you're feeling fear, you're supposed to feel fear. Um, You're supposed to feel fear because um, your body is saying to you, you know what, we don't need to digest food right now. Um, We don't need to uh, work on our immune system right now. There's a present danger. There's a present threat. So I'm unlike most people who think Just go out there and do it. Just do what you love. The money will follow. There are all these empty platitudes that do not work. Uh, You can't just do what you love. You have to invoice um, for your money. Uh, At one point when I had had a bigger company, I'm doing what I I love, and I had over like $200,000 of uh, payables, of receivables, I should say, that I never even invoiced. Uh, I was so busy doing what I love. Clients would tell me, Andrew, how can you never send us an invoice? It's because I was young. (laughs) I don't have proper systems um, in place. And so um, you're supposed to feel afraid. Um, never try to uh, amnesticize your feelings. And what you want to do is look at fear as a signal. What is this fear really telling you? Well, fear is saying you're not really ready. The fear is saying you haven't saved. The fear is saying you haven't built a business plan. The fear is saying you haven't really worked in, in the industry. You don't have proper partners in place. Um, but when you begin to um address those fears, then the fears will begin to subside but 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 don't just try to um be overly optimistic um the optimist thinks it's always gonna change, but the realist is the one that will go out there and make the change
0: what a wonderful answer that's a great, that's answer. great answer That's great <laughs> <laughs> okay we roll it, <laughs> yeah, that's motivational.
2: Well, well, you know, I I hope it. um, Motivation um, is good, but um, sometimes motivation can be fleeting. And um, I want people to go from motivation to uh, obsession, where when you become obsessed with something, you wake up in the morning and and, and you're ready to go. But um, but motivation, I've discovered that um, it, it can become a drug uh whose effects begin to uh, wear off and then we're no longer as motivated. But when we become really obsessed with something and when we feel as if we're called to um to do something, in spite of outer circumstances, we'll continue to um to push through. And this is why we need to have um you know, uh, a sense of um of completion, a sense of vision. Because the number one reason why you don't reach your goals and people have a hard time admitting this is, is because you really never saw yourself completing the goal. And I've just been seeing a lot of entrepreneurs who are going through all the motion. You're doing all the things. Uh, you, you've got the website. You're going to the conferences. You, you're really playing business, um, but you're not really doing business because you got so caught up in all of the, um, the distractions of business, and you're not really cultivating uh, customer relationships and, and closing deals. Uh, you know, even my business, I, I've been very candid with people by saying that I really don't make a lot of money working with entrepreneurs. It's, it's 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 really, and I don't mind admitting, and I think people need to admit when their business becomes a hobby. Um, to me, working with small business owners, it's really a hobby, it's something I I enjoy seeing people grow. But that's not where I make my money. You know, I have major contracts with large organizations, with with government agencies. Um, they're very um, time-demanding, and that's where I focus most of my attention. The other projects that I do, you know, Small Business Camp for Teens, Six semi Week Challenge, those are things that I i not need to eat off of. Um, and so people need to be very careful about running on and doing projects that you may need to eat off of, but those projects are not profitable.
1: This, You know, this brings me to the – this is so perfect. This is uh, perfect, perfect, perfect. You know, um, one of the things – um, Andrew, even as myself and Jay, you know, being in the varying industries that we are, one of the things we do, you know, like in advising others, you know, and that's, that's that gap, like you said, between working with small business and working with larger organizations that sustain an income. And one of the things, you know, I've shared with even small businesses, that, you know, myself and Jay has is that. When you start with a business, you know, first of all, where are you in your life? Are you single? Are you young? Are you engaged to get married? Are you married? Are you married with children? Because all of this makes a difference because, it, you know, your partner needs to know that you're not going to be around. Your partner needs to know that you may be want, wanting to quit your job or you have a dream that, you know, at some point you want to quit your job. That may mean money not coming into the household. That mean, may mean money that's not available to the household. You know, some of us, you know, think about, oh, let's just jump out there and start a business. Now, on top of that is how, you you know, what kind of business partners do you want? Making sure you know the kind of partners you want, what you're getting into, like you said, sort of like what that fear means. And then the flip side of that you know, well, I'm going to work with, I want to help other businesses grow. What level of business do you want to help grow? Is that going to sustain your income? How much income do you need? Do you realize you have to put taxes away, social security, and all those things? I wanted to ask you to say something to that part of, you know, being a business owner and being a consultant on the level that you are right now, and, you know, based on what I just said.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, ultimately, uh, you have to work backwards from from your lifestyle. And, and this is why, you know, we live in this world of distraction where you're not really focused on, on, on you. Um, I can't tell you how many people would read my bio or, or see my past accomplishments and their goal is to speak at this conference. I'm like saying it that should not be a goal, to speak at a conference. Well, my goal, Andrew, is, is to be an Oprah. No... Do the work and, and Oprah will find you. The Oprah Oprah's are looking for you. Um but, but they can't find you because um you're not being uh true to yourself. Um so I tell my clients, work backwards from your lifestyle. You know, take Fridays off, vacation three months um out of the year, um, you know, make at least a hundred thousand dollars. Okay, I, I think most entrepreneurs when they really look at it. That could be a minimum I say minimum, some people say andrew you y you, you, you know I, I want to be a billionaire. well we can get there, but first try to get, become a hundred thousand there, and so when people just really begin to um uh, you know downscale their their lifestyle uh simplify um you know uh their purchases, their needs, their desires, and their wants. Just focus on putting cash in your pocket and focus on what projects can give you $100,000 uh, a year in income. And so the projects I'm working on, are twenty-five, fifty grand grand projects that I can work on for, you know, a couple of weeks, and I'm set for the, the entire year. I, I don't have to be making millions of dollars because I, I've seen people go for the millions um, and end up in the path their family doesn't know them anymore. Uh, in the, in the past, um, it's left a divorce. In the past, it, it's left a lot of heartache and pain because they're always reaching as opposed to simply just serving and uh, being able to generate revenue based upon what's right there uh, in front of them.
1: Um, you know, would you, uh, Andrew, are you familiar with a book by the name of The One Thing by Gary Heller? He speaks about a lot of this, you know, all of us look at, you know, myself, you, Jay, all of us looking at, starting with the end in mind and working Uh, backwards.
2: That's a great book. I'll I'll definitely take a look at that.
1: You know, and, you know, one of the things that's most important you just said, you know, which is something that I try to let my own clients know, it's important to reach for that goal, and I I love the way you put it. And, um, Jan, inside of that, you had some other questions for Andrew as well.
0: I did. I did. You know, this is kind of a broad question, so I don't expect them to answer it. So, you know, because it's kind of a broad question, but I wanted to know in an ever-changing global market marketplace, what are some of the things I could do to be more competitive?
2: Right. Um, it's interesting. Uh, anytime someone what, what says to me will preface a question by saying, "Andrew, I'm not quite sure if you can answer, or if I can give you an answer. I'm not quite sure if it's the right answer, or the answer for you." But you <laughs> okay. know, people like me can always. We're in the business of giving answers and um i, I will say to pull back the layer you know experts we have to be able to give an answer with confidence, and that's actually what gives us the perception of um of being an expert but in this um global uh economy um you just have to really start to read the news differently uh, you know don't read the news for sensationalism you know read the news for opportunities you know i just sent out a tweet earlier today saying you know go from seeking opportunities to closing opportunities you know well, once again people have this seeking and um and activity mindset where they're busy but they're not um really efficient that they're not closing uh deals and they're going from this conference to the next conference they're doing all these things so when it comes to the global economy Uh, You want to know what markets are growing. You know, right now the stock exchanges in Africa are experiencing, you know, double-digit growth. Many companies now are achieving most of their profits overseas. So I I encourage everyone not to adopt a global strategy. You You cannot have a global strategy. You can only have a country strategy, you know, so you can't, you know, I'm doing work in Africa right now. People say, I want to do business in Africa. You can't do business in Africa. Right? That's a continent. You can only do business in a country, uh, and every country is uh, is different. And even in those countries, you're actually doing business in a city. Uh, you know, all business ultimately is local. And so I encourage people to take a look at their existing networks to see, you know, what trade missions are coming up. And simply uh, pick a country, uh, begin to do research on that country, begin to see how um, your skill set um, can best serve um, that country and also what products or services that country uh, wants to be able to export to the rest of the world. Uh, everyone needs to get off the block. Everyone needs to, you know, have a passport and begin to travel more because uh, what you realize is that the world is looking uh, to America for leadership and uh, you can also do well in terms of serving others
1: as well. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, um, Andrew. You know, I think that Jay. Do you have any more questions, for Andrew around entrepreneurship?
0: Um. No, I don't have anything right now. I'm just, I'm just in awe, and uh, I'm glad that he he uh, corrected me on the asking the questions. Expert. So for now, I'll make sure I ask those questions, and I know I'm talking to experts. I'm just glad to have I, have. I have no more questions right now.
1: You know, I tell you, and and that's and that's the great thing about the clarification and understand. um Andrew, I want to ask you a particular question about the music industry. Okay, I'm sure as someone who works across so many industries, you know, what what advisement would you give for artists in the music industry who are artists? Because I always tell artists they are a business. They're not just singers. You know, they're songwriters. They're artists. They have to hone their craft. Yes, you have to come from a creative point of view, but you also have to work the business side as well and understand your business and have the right team in place. Now, that's the advice that Jay and I normally give, and of course, we go into more. But what is your take on the the, the media industry and the music industry as a whole, and people yeah, going yeah. into uh, that industry?
2: Yes, sir. I have clients who are who are in the in, in the music industry. And I've helped them to do um, a couple of things. One, I, I've helped them to diversify their, their income base. People don't realize that, that there are many um, artists that you say, hey, I haven't heard from that person in a while. They haven't released any new music. But they're doing extremely well. They're making half a million dollars a year uh, touring. Um, so there are many uh, artists who feel as if they have to make money from a record deal when uh, you know that's not the case. Uh, many artists I helped them you know, develop developing a iTunes Store, um as a very powerful way to begin to sell uh directly to um to consumers. In addition, um I've encouraged artists uh to begin to license um their music. Um television shows. If you turn on T V, um, watch a movie, you could never watch uh, any tv show, any commercial, any movie without hearing music. Um there's a huge demand uh right now for for music. And so I've helped a couple of artists begin to license um their content to different uh t v shows and also uh movies as well and then you you have you have video games um video games console games video games you know um on your mobile device um as well so th- there's with this um rise in interconnectivity uh rise in um devices' there's always going to be uh a need for music music that uh connects with people and artists who are struggling, it's really only because you haven't properly cultivated and incentivized um, your fan base. Um, I like websites like cdbaby.com, that's cdbaby.com, because it really teaches you and gives you all the tools to really begin to cultivate um, that fan base and, um, you know, find those early adopters, people who really, really um, like what you do and to begin to extend your brand. And so from actually the music to the T-shirt to, you know, apparel, uh, to the posters so you should be looking at having a um, a regular annual revenue stream Um and studies have shown that you know any band that has at least ten thousand fans if you've got ten thousand fans you can make a nice living uh, year in uh, year out so everyone should be using social media um, as a discovery tool people discover you and once they discover you and they raise their hand make sure you capture information and communicate with that base over time and build out a community because with that community that can then lead to commerce.
1: So it's funny because Jay and I have a protege by the name of Fenestro. Fenestro we're talking about you on the radio and he is very, very connected with his base of friends, base of fans, you know. And it's interesting, um and I'm uh, sorry. It's interesting, Andrew, that you said Discovery, because some people use the you know some many artists use social media as not as discovery but as a way to i would say jay, how would you say they use it? They don't use it as discovery but more as something to just talk at their fans or you know uh practically beg people to buy their music there's 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 no yeah. interaction yeah. or engagement rather than it's, you know, here I am, you got to buy my stuff. There's no, you know, connection or relatedness with them and their fans. They don't look at it as a discovery. And, you know, with that said, we've often found that the social media, Andrew, has ma- leveled the playing field for artists, but is also, we would like to ask you, do you think it's, why is social media also um, causing a problem for the music industry where it's, Causing artists to be amongst many instead of being individually discovered by new fans.
2: Well, um, I think uh, social media is basically—I mean, uh, t- technology is a disruptor, so it's taking away the intermediary. You I know, mean, I've always told people that you know, record producers, even book publishers, no one knows what a hit is. Um, they only know a hit when you sell 10,000 units so you know i tell people who are um you know artists that don't allow an in- industry to tell you uh, what's hot uh, you go out there and make it hot sell it out the you know uh, back of your um your um your car uh, you, you know you actually go online you begin to develop um you know youtube followers right now i think um you know soundscan or billboard they're going to begin to you know include youtube views as a way to see if uh, if if music is popular so so artists who understand um, technology and who can find that base um, of um, of followers, you know, social media is actually um, your best friend.
1: Wow. Well, before, before I go into to the next.
0: Yeah, Andrew, I have a question. Um, I wanted to move to some of these base websites like Kickstarter some of the entrepreneurs that go to these websites, are these things effective? Uh some of these websites that you can raise capital? And is social media a very interesting part of these websites? You can't just put your product on these websites and expect people to invest. You gotta go out and you got to do some work. Am I correct? Uh
2: absolutely you know I helped one client raise <laughs> ten thousand dollars in less than five days um using I think we yeah we use GoFundMe that's G O F U N D M E dot com you know well uh, you know crowdsourcing the wisdom of crowds uh, allowing people to uh, donate you know twenty dollars fifty dollars and you can reach your goal of thousands of dollars that's another way how technology is changing the way even how uh, movies are being financed right now there's several famous uh, actors who are going right to their fan base and saying hey you know that the studios don't want to produce this film but I need 5 billion dollars and people are actually just simply clicking a button and giving them the um the five million dollars. And so uh people need to realize that these concepts uh work but there's a formula. Um the formula for my client was they already had they've been doing the work, the nonprofit work for 7 years. Um so um they had they knew individuals who knew of them. So they weren't just saying I'm starting this new concept. Um, so as long as you start doing the work, um, that's the key, and then you use social media as a way to amplify um, your work, then you're going to be successful.
1: Well, you know, one of the things in addition to that, you know, um, Andrew, we had a young lady that was on who created something called the Ultimate Spatula, and we had another guest on who created um, an all-in-one um, a charging device for the Apple iPhone and they were on Kickstarter and it were two of the top people on Kickstarter to have their projects funded. And the one thing they just said in common with what you just said is one of them said he wasn't just working Kickstarter. He had investors that he was talking to and he was talking to the fans. The other woman did everything on Kickstarter and she knew the timing that Kickstarter was really good to work in connection with others, you know? Um, and so, you know, I want to ask you, You know they were very successful, but I think as Jay pointed out, many people think that they can go into crowdfunding, and that it's just going to be a you know, well let me gather my crowd as I start this project. And something you said that's very important is that they had already been that your your clients and people you know have had already been doing the work prior. How long do you feel it takes for the work that you've done prior? In order for you to think it's a good time for someone to put their project on a Kickstarter or GoFundMe or Indiegogo or any of these platforms?
2: You know, I mean, I would say it's as quickly as you being able to, you know, touch a thousand people. Um, if, if sort as of a thousand people have had a positive um, experience uh, with you, I, I think you're ready to go. Uh, I mean, um, you see people who go and, um, like that guy um, who did the. Um, the bedroom intruder song, and they you know did the um the auto tunes and he made a million dollars um off of that so um you can use your fifteen minutes of uh of fame so uh, as soon as you have um an opportunity to um demand attention uh from the world uh, you've got a two or three week window for you to put a product in front um so I have clients who they'd be featured in Black Enterprise Magazine. I'd say, hey, I want you to have a um, a, a, a party. Um, I want you to have a recognition party. I'm sure the magazine will give you copies and, and, and the whole bit. And and they were able to use that window of fame. So, so all of us have these opportunities. And once they begin to bubble up, uh, that's when you can begin to uh, offer up uh, a, a, a crowdsourcing campaign. Now, something else you can quickly do is you can kind of force the issue by, you know, cultivating your own fan base. Right. You can use, you know, Facebook.com to create your own groups. And so I have several different groups on Facebook, from a book writing group to the 16-week challenge to so small business camp for teens. And any of those groups, you know, once I, I launch a book um, based upon the group conversation, the p- members of the group are going to uh, automatically um, want to wanna participate and the fastest way i discovered to really be able to uh, build a group of followers is to use the media. Uh, the media is your friend. And um, if you ca- carefully write an expert available press release based upon something that's in the news, so take a look at what's in the news, position yourself to say expert available. You know, um, given the, uh, the recent tornado in Oklahoma, expert is available to discuss how uh, social media uh, is being used to raise funds for these families in times of crisis and you have your four or five talking points, well, well, guess what? Um, People will now, you know, visit your website, they'll join your email list, and now you can use Kickstarter to maybe launch um, funds for the DVD, you know, a 10-hour course on using social media to grow your business. And all that began with you being featured um, in a news article. Wow.
1: Wow. Um, Jay, do you have another question? Um, uh, Andrew, may we keep you for 10 more minutes? Sure, sure. Thank you, me,
0: oh, thank I, you. I, I do, I do Joe, Because we were talking about The smallbusinesscamp.com uh, And I was wondering One of the things I saw there Was learning to embrace criticism And so I, it kind of made me chuckle Because it said you can learn From the very people that criticize you I just want to um, That's hard for me Andrew So I just wanted to I want to learn this from you How can I learn from the very people Who criticize you?
2: Right uh, that's, a, that's a great question And then you know you also want to appreciate that anytime someone is sharing wisdom it's really based upon life um experiences and you know sometimes the greatest lessons in life come with setbacks um you know tears and um and disappointments but you know growing up as a child a very bad stuttering problem, so as a result. You know, I was very shy, withdrawn, used to get teased, uh, picked on a lot, you know, wasn't very uh, popular, and so uh, all I can do is listen. And you also have to appreciate that the child is a parent of the adult, that your childhood just shapes the person you become uh, as an adult. And and some skills you want to appreciate that you um, have developed them because of actually childhood trauma. So because I wasn't very popular, all I could do is is listen um, to others, and then when you have a stuttering problem, every word you say, you want to kind of make it funny. You you, you want to be uh, well-liked, and you really don't want to, like, you know, just be stumbling over making um, a, a long sentence that, you know, kids will tease you about. So because of my own childhood trauma, you know, I've really developed um, this habit of simply listening, and, and, and it's a habit which... Um, all of us can develop, but like like all habits, it's something you have to develop over time. So as a child, I couldn't respond. You know, people are teasing me, so I was forced to listen. Um, and now, as an adult and as a communicator, I still have that same uh, gift of listening. You know, I, I do um, marriage counseling, and the um, the toughest question I can ever ask a husband, and I've seen men get up out of their chair when to fight me, is, are you listening to your wife? How, how, what are you talking about? If I listen to her, I'm like, what I, I didn't say follow her. Uh, I just said listening. So, people in many ways simply equate um, listening um, with, uh, with approving. So, you first have to just simply make um, different distinctions. Then, I've discovered um, that you have to begin to practice um, silence. You have to begin to practice um, stillness. Because the more and more you become silent, have a daily practice of just sitting still and, and being silent have an evening practice, a morning practice and the evening, a ritual of just appreciating um, the value of silence, then there's a gap between stimulus and response. You know, um, we're not animals. Uh, we're not dogs. You know, pa- Pablo's dog, you ring the bell, uh, the dog begins to salivate. And so we have these conditioned uh, responses um, to a stimulus when there should be a gap. Um, that's where you begin to operate from your God-given um, gift uh, of choice. And as that gap begins to expand, then you can begin to make a choice when it comes to how to respond. So, you know, basically, uh, when someone, and also another quick story, I ran for president of my student body uh, when I was in college, and I was elected um, really because I went to people who did not plan to vote for me. And I wanted to hear why they didn't want to vote for me, and I actually began to just broaden my uh, my platform to win those people in. So uh, I kind of have a, a life history of why something works for me. This is why everyone needs to. When it comes to this whole advice business, it has to work for you. uh... Someone out there, you know, listening may not work for you. You may think, No, I'm no one's going to push me aside. I'm going to. And I said, Well, let's take a look at your blood pressure. Let's take a look at uh, uh, other uh, health issues that you could be facing. And people who are filled with drama, who are filled with stress, people who are filled with uh, tension, uh, there's a lot of health um, consequences um, as a result. Um, So basically, it's a posture of looking at life that is for your benefit. and Everything is simply a lesson. And once you pass a lesson, you get to graduate. Um, And sometimes the lesson will come back just to make sure you you pass the lesson Uh, because then the lesson now becomes a blessing to uh, to other people. And uh, when one gentleman was criticizing me, I was doing a seminar. I was charging like $10, no, $20 for a seminar on how to write your book. It's a three-hour seminar. And he was just criticizing me, saying, you know, you're ripping people off. How dare you? You know, I don't know about you. I've written all these books. I'm an expert. Who do you think? And the guy never knew uh, um, never knew anything about me. All he thought was a flyer, and he's calling me a, a ripoff. So basically I, I have a habit of any time um, I'm i faced with a situation, I first go from frustration to fascination. So many of you get frustrated with something. No, I, 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 I'm fascinated with why are you yelling at me i don't you know why are you saying these things and I want to better understand um your truth because there there is some truth in there, and your truth is based upon your pain and in this exchange facebook exchange, he saw other speakers rip people off um when it comes to you know charging money and not really giving um uh good value, and ultimately, throughout the course of our exchange online, he and I both came to an agreement. He even apologized for attacking me, because no one can really speak to you. You know, someone thinks I'm speaking to them right now, I can't really speak to you. I can only speak to what you represent in my mind. So if somebody calls you a liar, a thief, you're this, you're that, I'm okay with that. Why? Because that's there in the representation of, of me, but that's not the real me. Um, and so the more and more you get a chance to really understand who you really are, then you realize that you're really um, untouchable, and people are actually reacting to these projections. And then I become fascinated to see, well, what triggered you? Uh, what triggered this response? Well, Andrew, you, you wore a red bow tie, and the last coach I worked with wore a red, red bow tie, and he didn't call me back, so I think you're a crook just like him. So, so we live in this world people responding to these triggers and listen for other people's uh, triggers realize they're not really talking um, to you and then you have to admit um, to yourself and this is the tough part but if somebody says something to you that really gets you upset it's because Mm -hmm. it's true if someone says (laughs) something to you there's some truth in there because if there was no truth in there, you'd look at them like, so when this guy, is, he's online, he has a big following, and he's simply criticizing me, left like, your flyer is this, your this is that. And I'm just, people are amazed. Andrew, how did you stay so calm? Because there was no truth. Yeah, you know? but
1: Andrew, but, but Andrew I, I do have to ask this question. I do have to ask this question because, you know, I think you and I both are, have, to, you know, and, and Jay, all of us come from the same schools of thought because in our own ways, we have our own areas that we coach other people in. Um, some of the background I've had has been landmark education and also art of living, you know, for meditation and breath work. So this is some stuff, you know, in coaching and, you know, Andrew, you coach, but there is something that we have to look at. You know, when you said that when we know ourselves, here's my question to you, is when we know ourselves, okay, and we say we're a little untouchable, I have to go there with you because, Yes, but there also may be some, not only truth, not if you're getting upset, you know, sometimes what we look at as criticism actually may be what we've been doing or what we are doing as well. There has to be some opening to take a look at that. Because if we're saying in a way that we're untouchable, Andrew, you know, because we know who we are, we may not be dealing realistically. I'm not saying in your case. I'm saying people who are not where you are some people who you know and even and, and even let's say even where you are or the president of the united states or anyone there may be some truth to what someone is saying so don't you think we have to be careful Andrew before we say well you know maybe we don't get upset about it but there is some truth in it or maybe it is happening and we're not willing to own that
2: right That's the and, and um uh, right so and mm. um you getting upset is a signal for change um so this is why I'm making a distinction between your response so if you don't respond if someone is yelling at you and telling you this guy is calling me a crook and I don't respond and people are amazed at to why I don't respond because I know who I really am okay but but now watch this now if someone is criticizing you and it really begins to pull you down then you say you know what Um, what what triggered uh, what behavior um, did I engage in that caused that person to make those comments, and then you um, may discover, well, you know what? Maybe I probably should have called that person back um, the next day a lot faster, as opposed to waiting a day. Maybe that's the reason why this person thought I was a crook. Mm, but
1: mm,
2: I, I, have, mm. I have to admit, that working with so many people, um, and um, I want to be very careful how I say this. In that, um, <laughs> I work with people who are who are creators. I sense that you were you were sent on this earth to create something. But oftentimes because of your heart, you become so sensitive to criticism that you stop creating. Wow. And so I want to err on on the side of people becoming more egotistical. And, and, and uh, that may sound crazy. I want to err on the side no, of people that's... um becoming more hardened to criticism because I can't tell you how many people would start something And you're starting out well, and your pastor said something to you. I've gotten into so many debates with pastors. I'm saying, your pastor is not a business person. My pastor, he don't feel that the spirit is. I said, what are you talking about? These are business concepts. You're simply allowing your pastor, your hairdresser, your mama... To steal your gift, to steal your joy. And so um, the more and more you, because here's what's really happening is people, this is the power of silence. People need to get in the habit of listening to their authentic voice. We all have a voice. And once you hear your authentic voice, then you move. And that's when you become unstoppable. And this is where other voices of this world you no longer hear because you've heard your authentic voice. And this authentic voice, it's not simply hearing it from yourself, it's hearing it from others. And so, um, once again, um, I take listening to a whole new height because of my own childhood trauma. And when someone is saying something to me and I hear my voice coming through that person, I will move. I don't don't think about what needs to happen. My wisdom comes from ahead. People are, are... stuck in the head to the heart. And once your wisdom goes from the head to the heart, that's you really become unstoppable. And I've been helping my clients begin to develop heart intelligence by, engage, by, by taking martial arts, by taking line dancing classes where their body becomes smart, their emotions become smart, because that's where speed is, and that's where your ability to be able to uh, move past any temporary circumstances, all that really lies in your heart. And we need to get more attached to our heart because we've tried to disassociate by trying to be strategic. I mean, people hire me to develop strategic plans. We want strategy. And I'm saying something, we don't need any more strategy. We need to go out there and sell something. And people will be so strategic that they begin to paralyze um, themselves. So it's really all about uh, taking inspired action and then changing your approach along the way.
1: Wow, wow. Well, you know, um, we've got about seven more minutes with you, and I really want do want to get into the children aspect uh, with you, Andrew, if that's okay. But the one thing I do want to just cap off what you just said, uh, both Jay and I would like to, is, you know, what you said is, um, so, I mean, I cannot say, I'm not saying, you know, you're a god here. That's not what we're saying. But it's so much capture, captures what Jay and I have said over the last year and a half The show has been on. And, you know, it for us, it's glad to have someone on as yourself with the background experience you have, for us to know at least, we're you know, we're moving in the right direction with the way we present this show, okay? And also, um, you know, that we hear you actually confirming so much that we have shared. You know, it, it, it lets us know, again, secondarily, we're going in the right direction. With, with that said, you know, one of the things, you know, Jay and I have found in our, in our tra- travels is that, Often people, you know, they want to they they want to get someplace very quickly, you know. And you talked about heart, and you talked about silence. You know, um, I came across something called art of living not too uh, a couple of years ago. It's been in existence for about thirty years, and they have something called the art of silence, where you are literally silent. Your food intake is monitored. It's, it's Indian and Hindu based. Your Indian teachers teach it, and you know. Some people coming in would say, oh, my God, no, 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 that's not the truth. And you can be any religion. It doesn't matter. But the, one of the things I learned out of that was being at peace, hearing nothing but the birds chirping and everything, and it's so quiet that not only your voice is heard, but if you are someone that believes in God or you're, you're a Buddhist or whatever, you can hear that other connection with you, the higher self also speaking with you. And that really transcends on, and I hope I'm not going too far here, but that really transcends into really you're in action and you're, who you are is in action before you even know you're in action in the right way. Some people right. get Some people, Andrew, get frightened by that. How would you advise them, like when they first hear that voice of themselves, that true voice, how would you advise them to get connected with that?
2: Well, you know, this is uh, this is a great question uh, that you uh, ask, and it's something that I I contemplate uh, a great deal. You know, one day I plan to have a business card just for my name, email, and the title would be a uh, philosopher, because I actually just simply enjoy uh, thinking um, about uh, big ideas um, like that, and oftentimes I come to a very interesting um, conclusion and um my conclusion is really it's a, it's a simple one that's to save me years of um you know heartache and pain and aggravation is that um I'm not here to change anybody um I'm simply here to shine and I only share my own understanding uh of spirit I move from understanding I move from belief um uh, to knowing and so and so I have a knowing of spirit um I, w- I wouldn't say I believe my grandmother Understand my grandmother. I know my grandmother, and so I have a knowing of spirit that is uh, unshakable. And I only begin to share that when somebody uh, asks for help. Only begin to share that when somebody uh, becomes an opening for for me to share it. This is why the whole notion of putting uh, pearls before swine—that what's happening. I, and this is why I pull back. You know, I have people who I've supported in their own spiritual growth, and I, and I tell them. Don't tell nobody about your transformation. Don't even tell anybody that helped you, because what's going to happen is you haven't been fully healed. You go talk talk to other people, and they start to mess you up. What's happening, you're taking pearl and giving it to swine, and they're now trampling it. You're taking whatever is most precious to you. Be careful about sharing it. Um, because in this dialogue, in, even in your attempt to change somebody or fix someone or you need to be doing this that 's proof that you really don 't even know who what you 're really talking about, because once you really do, you simply shine you know, and as you begin to shine, then your light will then just simply transform others, and you move to the greatest the, the greatest um, point in life is where your mere presence can heal people without their permission. And so there's no need to argue, there's no need to fight, uh, there's no need to even name the spirit and, well, I give it this name and this is how how it works. You just simply uh, uh, be uh, an outlet. I mean, so all of us are inlets. And spirit's talking to us, but are you an outlet? And you become an outlet, the only way I've discovered to to be an outlet is to die. And many people out there are afraid of dying. Um, You need to die every day. Die to your need to be right die to your need to prove anything, die to your need to be seen, and simply serve. And and so by dying every day, then you are born again, and then you are born into a new vessel that can um, support um, your daily bread. And not not simply pray for your daily bread, but support your daily bread or do your daily bread by reaching out to those individuals who you need to touch uh, this day. We all have these big visions, big five-year goals, ten-year goals. What about the small vision? What about the daily vision? So there's something that all of us are supposed to be doing today, and we miss that divine assignment because we're so caught up, we're so distracted by other things.
1: Wow. Well, um, you know, uh, Jay, do you have one last question? I think we're going to have to have you back on, Andrew, in the next week or two to go into the youth thing because we have run out of time. But uh, amazing. That's all I can say. Jay, do you have any more questions for Andrew before we go?
0: All right, my my last question before we go is talking about some of the youth and the education that's out there, and I wanted to let them know. I want you to let them know about how important it is to learn the art of networking, being a startup entrepreneur.
2: Well, you know, and, and, and this is where I guess you you, you must. Have, I, I'm going to admit to people that I'm, I'm like a contrarian, and um, like when people say networking and, and a lot of a lot of things people talk about, that I try to be. Polite um, in my response. I, I, as I've gotten older, I, I think, at least I hope, I, I, I've milled out. But I, I don't network. <laughs> like I don't even know what that concept means. People networking function here, there. Here's my business cards. Here you, you're running around doing all this networking, which to me does not point to uh, the progress. A lot of activity, but um, no progress. So people need to become more deliberate. And I'm not even being e- egotistical here because i got to be careful how I, I, I made this next comment, comment on the radio show and people thought, you know, I was full of myself. But um, I went to a networking event, and a buddy of mine said to me, Andrew, um, what time you set to speak? I said, what are you talking about? I'm not, I'm not a speaker. I like to be at an event. And no one knows I'm a speaker. I can kind of walk around, talk to people. He said, because, Andrew, I've been following you for years, and I noticed that you don't go out to these events unless you're speaking. And so I didn't even realize that I had a very distinctive look at networking. I'm not good at meeting a bunch of people and passing out business cards. I'm going to maximize my time by being a speaker. So the the point is is that people need to become a lot more deliberate. So I've helped clients. One client has a pastry company. Every time she goes to a networking event, she gives out her pastries. Um, if you have a book, you walk up to the organizer and say, listen, I'd love for you to raffle off a copy of my book. Um, so so become more deliberate about networking as opposed to simply going to events, passing out business cards, you think you're doing something when you're not really uh, progressing uh, further on your goals. Excellent.
1: Wow. Uh, so in, uh, and if, you know, if I could sum Jade's question and what you just set up, basically you're saying you're deliberate in being a speaker. She was deliberate in giving out her pastries, so be deliberate in giving out your product.
0: Right,
1: exactly. Here's the one question that we have. I have to ask you this question because, Andrew, in the music industry, you know, part of what Jay and I are a part of, giving out your CD or giving out your music to an executive on the spot is not a good idea. Right. So how would you advise someone who wants to get their music out there, okay? And, I mean, in the music industry, that's just like a no-no. That's It's just, you know, uh, the all executives end up throwing them in the trash. So, right. how would you advise an artist to put their music out? They have an, an impromptu. They're at a. They're at an event. They're sharing their craft. They're sharing what they do. You know, um, maybe that the answer is there. Sharing what they do and and sharing their music and what it's about. But what would you advise?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I would uh, encourage them to walk their way to the front of the room that uh position yourself so all, all of the uh, decision makers uh can hear you before you e- even get there and have another influential people person uh, talk about you you know i i'll give somebody you know a uh, um a 10,000 thousand dollar idea right now um the next party uh you go to and there's celebrities um, at the party, you know, go to a, um, a, a, a an event, a party, where you know there's some you know big shots there, they're all in the VIP section, you're a nobody, um, no one is really recognizing you, and uh, I probably shouldn't say this, but walk up to the DJ and get the DJ $100. You <laughs> give the DJ a, a crisp this this is real talk, right?
1: Ooh, uh, I know. Uh,
2: uh, 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 I hope I'm not breaking any rules here, but you, you get the DJ $100, and you tell the DJ, yo, man, listen, man, do you mind just shouting out my name a couple of times? Say so, and so, Andrew Morris on a small business campus in the house. This is a man who's built so many people. Next thing, the, the VIP are saying, who's this Andrew? How come I don't, they mad at their staff? Find Andrew Morris to get him here. This guy is hot. Oh yeah, I'm Andrew Morrison. Oh man, come on up here, man. (laughs) I just gave somebody ten thousand dollars. They understand what I just said. A hundred, a crisp hundred dollar to a DJ. Shoot, you the hottest thing ever. (laughs) That's (laughs) right.
1: Oh my God. Well, no, that's the other thing. Like I said, Andrew, would you come back and be with us again? This has been amazing. We have loved it. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. This is great. You know, um, Andrew, you know, uh, I, I can't say enough. Thank you for being on the. For me, Jay, this is a gift because I've known Andrew for 21, I think, 21, oh, we won't even talk about it, Andrew. We're still young. Right. Um, yeah. Enough years, we'll put it that way. So this has been a gift to both Jay and I, and, and we thank you so much. Yes, well, uh, uh,
2: thank you for doing what you do. And folks can uh, learn more about me at smallbusinesscamp.com. That's small BusinessCamp.com.
1: And, and Andrew, can you tell them when your next team, when your next team uh, team camp is, and when your next small business uh, camp is too, so that they can jump on board?
2: Yes, if they join my email list. So join my email list at SmallBusinessCamp.com, and I'll be sending out updates in the near future when our next uh, programs are coming up.
1: All right, thank you so much. And for our audience, you can listen to this anytime at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash listen give. make sure to listen to episode 57 so you can hear Mr. Andrew Morrison thank you and as always Mr. J. Logan it's been a real deal yes it has <laughs>
0: thanks Andrew alright take care <laughs>